Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to episode 142 of the UK True Crime Weekly podcast. I'm Adam. A big thank you for joining me today. This week's show returns to the global HQ of football, Leeds. Incidentally, I made the amateur mistake of actually reading some reviews this week. Not something that any hobby podcaster like me, with a job and a real life, should ever do, trust me. And there was one person who said that my Leeds United references were wearing thin and becoming a little dull. Leeds United dull? Surely not. Many adjectives to describe the mightiest football team in the world, but certainly not dull. And I'm looking forward to heading to Bristol on Sunday for the first step in our centenary season of prolonged glory. But I digress. The theme of today's podcast is a familiar one, and that is the very real dangers faced by sex workers on the cold, mean and dangerous streets of the UK. And today's story is, I think, particularly chilling. Before we move on to the story, last week was a significant week for the UK with, you know what I'm about to say, don't you? Not Boris, obviously. Much more significant than that. The news that this podcast has now been listened to over 10 million times in the last two years or so. I know, along with most reviewers, I share your amazement. But thank you anyway very much for listening and for all your lovely feedback. Well, mostly lovely, anyway. It does make a difference knowing that you listen and enjoy the show as much as I enjoy creating it. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And talking of lovely, a huge thank you to all my supporters on Patreon, but especially this week's new members of this exclusive club. That's Lucy Claire Smith, Bob the Flob and Jack Whitehead. Thank you for your support and enjoy the 30 bonus episodes, naked videos and other exclusive content, all for the monthly price of a beer and so much better value than Scientology. So let's set some context by taking a look at what we're listening to at the time of the events we will talk about today, the 22nd of December 2015. The UK charts at the time were quite relevant for the way our politics is right now. Adam, what are you bumbling on about? Anyway, number one was The Bieber with Love Yourself. He was also at two with Sorry, and Adele was at three with Hello. In the US, the top two were reversed with Adele in the top spot. And in the Australian album charts, Adele again knocked Bieber from the summit with her album 25. In the news this month, the 21st century finally arrived as the US Defence Secretary announced that all combat roles in the US Army would be open to women. Hurrah! Amazon's best-selling book of the year was Girl on a Train. I quite enjoyed it. Were you a fan? Playboy magazine published its last nude issue with Anne Wood... Sorry, Pamela Anderson on the cover. Mourinho was sacked as manager of Chelsea again. And the Boston Red Sox pulled off the largest ever deal for an MLB pitcher, signing free agent David Price for seven years and $217 million. Storm Desmond hit, causing chaos in Cumbria, 
closely followed by Storm Eva, which also battered the north of England, and British astronaut Tim Peake became the first Briton to set foot on the International Space Station. In UK true crime news, a husband and wife team who plotted terror attacks on the London underground, known as the Silent Bomber Couple, were jailed for a minimum of 25 and 27 years. Holbeck is an inner city area to the south of Leeds city centre, in the northeast of England. Whilst football team aside, Leeds is a thriving city, Holbeck is one of those places you find in many cities that has just been left behind. Not the sort of place you'd ever choose to go to when visiting Leeds. The city's red light district used to be in the Chapel Town area of the city, where you'll know the Yorkshire Ripper struck so many times, but it has slowly moved south to the Holbeck area. It's a surprisingly compact area, and the small number of streets are pretty run down really, compared to the beautiful new flats, bars and offices, just half a mile or so away, and all the roads seem to lead to industrial estates. In October 2014, Holbeck became effectively the UK's first legalised red light district. It was a controversial 12-month experiment introduced by Safer Leeds, a group which included Leeds City Council and West Yorkshire Police to attempt to make life safer for the workers and better for the residents. The scheme, as you'd imagine, split opinion locally and further afield. But the managed approach aimed to protect sex workers when other initiatives have failed, and there were support groups on hand to help, and also to protect local residents as the red light area had drifted into residential areas. Police made it clear that no offences will be tolerated at any time at all in residential areas, no offences tolerated between 6am and 8pm, and no offences tolerated outside businesses which were operating, and finally drug use, trafficking, organised crime and coercion would at no time be tolerated. But just three weeks after the 12-month temporary trial had been considered a success and made permanent, police were called to Springwell Road, Holbeck, within the managed zone, where the body of a 21-year-old woman had been found. She had suffered severe injuries and the death was clearly suspicious. Detective Superintendent Simon Atkinson of West Yorkshire Police said in a press conference later that day that the death was being treated as murder, adding, Our inquiries are at a very early stage and we would like to hear from anyone who was in the area of the Springwell Road area of Holbeck between 8pm last night and about 1.30am this morning. The body that had been found was Polish woman, Daria Pionko, and the woman who found her body was her friend and fellow sex worker, Carolina. Daria was lying face down in an area of wasteland, in an industrial area behind an electrical substation. It was not the place where anyone should end their time on earth, but Carolina knew that this quiet, desolate spot was a place that Daria sometimes took customers about a car to buy her services. Carolina couldn't quite believe what she was looking at when she discovered the body. Daria's shorts were down to her ankles and her knickers were around her knees. She had no pulse, had become unconscious and had clearly inhaled her own vomit. Her friend had suffered a devastating attack and Carolina later described the depth of Daria's injuries saying it was like her face had been massacred. Daria suffered the most horrendous injuries to her neck and body, bruising to her brain, 
and several bones in her face were broken. There were also horrible deep scratches on her face and upper body. Whoever had murdered Daria had launched a sustained frantic attack and then shown a complete lack of respect by just discarding her body here on this bleak piece of ground in Holbeck. Experts later stated that Daria would not have been killed instantly by her injuries, but would have lay dying for around 30 minutes before succumbing. What a terrible time that must have been for her, unable to move, and with any hope of being found quickly ebbing away on that bitterly cold Yorkshire evening. The cause of death was established as a series of kicks to her head and body when she was on the ground. While the story made headlines nationally, the people of Leeds, and especially Holbeck, were shocked and distraught about what had happened to Daria. Vigils were held, flowers and candles were left, and there were some heartbreaking tributes left close to the scene, such as this one which read, Thinking of you and offering apologies that Leeds could not keep you safe. So how had Daria ended up on the streets of Holbeck that cold December night when she lost her life? Like so much around this story, the facts are hard to come by and it wasn't clear. Daria had grown up in lots in the centre of Poland and she grew up the eldest of her siblings with a loving and supportive family and friends and family spoke of a popular, cheerful and kind young woman who'd enjoyed a happy childhood. Then in the spring of 2015 she moved to Leeds with her boyfriend in search of new opportunities in England and the couple settled in Armley around two miles from Holbeck. It's unclear how Daria went from this to selling sex in Holbeck, but it's thought that like so many of the 15 to 20 or so other regular sex workers working in the Holbeck safe zone nightly, she was working to fund the drugs habit. Many residents of Holbeck complained that sex workers operated all day and used condoms, needles, and other drug paraphernalia were common on the street for their children to stumble upon. There were some complaints that sex workers had sex in public in places where they and their children could witness what was happening. It's hard to not feel some sympathy for the local residents. After all, effectively, a, a sex shop was on their doorstep, but also for the sex workers who were just doing their best to make a living. Whereas some of the more desperate workers would be out at any time of day, Daria usually started work at 8pm alongside her friend Carolina. The going rate in the area for full sex was £40, although this often significantly reduced depending on demand. And in Holbeck, compared to other areas where sex operators operate on the streets, it felt marginally safer, as with the scheme there was lots of CCTV around, regular police controls, and charity workers keeping an eye out for the women. And most of those working kept an eye out for their other women on the streets with them, clocking when they found customers, and making notes of number plates. And shortly after 10pm on the 22nd of December, Daria was approached by a man on foot. Unknown to Daria and Carolina, Daria negotiated a price for her services, and then took him to the place where she would meet her violent death. By 11.35pm, when Daria still wasn't back at their usual place, Carolina started to worry. This was most unlike Daria, who wouldn't just disappear, and Carolina felt the panic beginning to rise inside her. 
She went to look for Daria in some of her usual places that she would often use, but without any luck. And it wasn't until the early hours of the next morning that she stumbled upon her body. Detectives were under significant pressure to solve the crime quickly. The tabloids screamed with indignation and anger about a murder taking place in a designated safe zone. But despite the criticism, detectives knew that because it was a safe zone, there would be lots more information available to them. The CCTV was good quality, and due to the protection from prosecution offered to them, many of the sex workers and their customers were much more comfortable coming forward to police, as they wouldn't be at risk of arrest. But with all that said, the detectives were very clear that this murder had to be solved, and quickly. They immediately viewed the CCTV, which was excellent quality, and they issued a photograph of the man they believed was responsible for Daria's death. And by New Year's Eve, they tracked this man, Louis Pierre, to Hartshead Moor Motorway Service Station near Bradford, where he was arrested. When he was taken into the police station, his response was to ask officers whether he would be kept in custody all night. Yep, he was one of those, that sort of a guy. And then during all the interviews, his only response was no comment. But when detectives went to his house, they found traces of Daria's blood on a cardigan he'd been wearing, and also on his steel-capped work boots. The very boots he had driven into Daria's body as she had lain defenceless on the floor, which eventually killed her on the streets of Holbeck. Detectives traced his actions on the night of Daria's death, discovering that he'd finished work at 10pm after a day working as a driver's mate for a local Holbeck distribution company. It was long hours and tough work, but Pierre didn't make much money and just that day had been complaining to colleagues that he was broke. No money at all in his pocket. And during that long day working, due to his lack of money, he'd had nothing at all to eat or drink either. Detectives began to think that the motive for killing Daria hadn't been sexual, as they'd initially suspected, but financial. Had he gone to Holbeck purely for money, and had targeted a sex worker, whom he perceived as a weak target, who'd almost certainly be carrying cash. The CCTV showed Pierre and Daria walk into the wasteland together, and him returning on his own just five minutes later. Yep, just five minutes. This short period seemed to confirm that the attack was all about robbery. And after the murder, although he'd had no money all day, he was seen in a taxi on Wellington Street towards the centre of Leeds, paying with a £20 note. And on his way home, it was later revealed that he had used the £80 he'd stolen from Daria to buy a kebab, four cans of drink and some cigarettes. He also used it to buy some cannabis, which he took into work the next morning. At his trial, which took place at Leeds Crown Court six months later, Louis Pierre admitted robbery and manslaughter, but denied murder. He confirmed that the motive was indeed robbery, and he tried to snatch Daria's handbag, but she put up one hell of a fight, so he'd punched her numerous times in the head to get her to release her grip. He said he hadn't realised she was so seriously injured, and he'd been shocked when he'd heard that she was dead. He said that when he'd left her, she was conscious and talking, so he'd no reason to believe that her injuries were even serious enough to require hospital treatment. 
He added that he was ashamed about how he'd frittered away the money he'd stolen. And I wonder if that's actually the case, or just a desperate plea for a lesser sentence. Darius' family attended every day of the trial, with an interpreter ensuring they understood all the events. It must have been even more shocking for them to hear details of their daughter's secret life in Yorkshire, as she hadn't told them about her sex work, and they believed that she worked in a bar nearby. The family heard the prosecution rubbish Pierre's claims about how Daria had died, emphasising how he'd actually in reality kicked her to death on the floor. The two women and ten men of the jury left the court to reach their judgement and returned in under two hours to deliver their unanimous verdict. They found Louis Pierre guilty of the murder of Daria. Pierre struggled with the verdict. He'd been sitting with his head in his hands, waiting, as the jury fell back to court. But he then sat bolt upright as the word guilty came out, and he stormed out of the court like a petulant child, slamming the door on the way out. Again, as he had showed so little respect for Daria that fateful night, he was again unable to show her family, weeping in the gallery, any respect at all. What an absolute loser. The dock officer whispered to the judge that he doesn't want to be here any longer. Louis Pierre was jailed for life, serving a minimum of 22 years. The judge told him, In your disregard for Daria as a person, and driven by your own selfish desires, her life ended in such miserable circumstances. He also ordered Pierre to serve a concurrent eight-year sentence for robbery. Like me, you won't be surprised to hear about his criminal record that was shared with the court after he was found guilty. He had previously spent time in prison for stealing a student's mobile phone and also had a history of domestic violence. Easy targets, easy targets. West Yorkshire police described Pierre as a dangerous individual who had targeted Daria. Detective Simon Atkinson said, When she bravely resisted, he launched a sickening and violent attack which left her fatally wounded. He then callously left her dying and walked away to spend the money he'd stolen from her. And Daria's mum, Lydia, spoke of the terrible effects that her daughter's death had had on her and her family, saying, saying, Ever since the day I learnt about her death, there's been no day which passes without me thinking about it. As a mother, there's no day which passes without tears. Daria was my firstborn. She was full of joy, thriving with life. She was a good human being. She's left many friends behind her. We miss her every day. Daria did not die. She still lives on in our hearts. The network of sex projects which campaigns to improve the safety for sex workers condemned Daria's murder. It released statistics immediately after the trial in 2016, showing that 35 sex workers had been murdered since 2007. None of the 21 murdered between January 2007 and December 2012 were migrants, but between October 2013 and December 2015, they made up 78% of the women murdered. Of the 11 sex workers killed, five were Romanian, three were Polish, one was Colombian, one Israeli and one of Mexican US origin. And they're just the ones we know about, undoubtedly there'll be more. The chair said that the rise in the murders of migrant sex workers 
has been dramatic but unsurprising, as migrant sex workers are very fearful of authorities. Very often they come from countries where the police are overtly abusive to them, and they expect the same treatment here. So what do you make of what we've heard today? I must be really straight with you, I've been a little bit frustrated researching this story, as there's so little information about Daria, and not too much more actually about Louis Pierre. But I still thought it was important to share Daria's story as Daria Pionko, not just another murder of a sex worker in Leeds we'd vaguely heard about, but weren't sure of the details. And Daria was just doing her job that evening, as you and I have done all this week. And yet the dangers which came with her work meant she was an easy target for a brutal man willing to do whatever it took to earn the money that he needed that day. And who knows if Dari had managed to work with the agencies to get off the drugs, what could she be doing today? She'd still be in her mid-twenties with her whole life stretching ahead of her. And as for Louis Pierre, well, let's just say he wasn't a man for whom modelling was ever going to be an option. Really, the face that only a mother could love. I wonder what his thoughts are today as we listen to this podcast, as he ponders the next 20 years in his prison cell. Does he regret his actions that night? Or has he convinced himself of the narrative that he tried to spin the court at his trial? I wonder if he dreams of Daria, if he sees her sometimes when he opens his eyes, feels her presence sometimes, or if to him, she's still as insignificant as she was on the night he murdered her. I'd like to think he feels remorse, but I wouldn't count on it, would you? Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the UK True Crime Weekly Podcast. Why not join almost 3,000 of us on the Facebook group to discuss this story or any other aspects of UK true crime? Or if you are a particularly good person who cares for injured animals and helps the elderly across the road, Support me at patreon.com slash UKTrueCrime. Experience feeling as worthy as Gwyneth Paltrow for a while. And also, you'll be able to access 30 bonus episodes and other exclusive content. What isn't there to like? So that is all from me for today. I know, I know, parting is just such sweet sorrow. I'm off to test what is easier. Getting planning permission in North Devon or turning water into wine. And trust me, it's a close-run thing, but not that I'm bitter or anything. So until we speak again next week, cheerio, and remember, whatever all the others do, and they do some crazy annoying shit, I know. Please stay classy. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.